Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome back if you're a returning listener. If this is your first episode, welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, I want to talk to you about how we're wiring our brains to either be thankful or unthankful, how we are choosing happiness or we are sending it away. Before we get into that, I want to uh, answer an email about what's the difference between single parents, divorced parents, co-parenting from separate homes. All right, let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Hello, my friends. Welcome back. This is The Joe Martino Show. Today, I want to talk to you about what are you doing with your thoughts? What happens when we're grateful? What happens when we're ungrateful? Before we do that, though, I do want to tell you about some exciting interviews that I have coming up. We've got more interviews coming. One of the things that I want to do in 2020 is I want to do more interviews. So I'm going to interview someone who went from being a political aide to a best-selling author. I'm going to talk to someone with special with a child that has special needs and the different that their life is from what other people might consider, hopefully raising some awareness uh, for their families so that people can uh, engage them in a helpful way. I'm going to talk to some people from foster care, the system. How do we help people in foster care if we can't, you know, if you can't be a foster parent, uh, how do you help someone in foster care? Let's raise some awareness. If you'd like to do an interview with me, feel free to send me an email, joe at joemartino.com. Send it to joe at joemartino.com. You can go to my webpage, joemartino.com, click on the contact me page and let me know. We were working, we are continuing to work on a second edition of the book. That will be out soon. Um, I'm working on the second book. I think that might be out uh, by the end of this year. That is the target by the, by, uh, the end of, of fall of this year, September, October, somewhere in there. Uh, exciting news for our practice, the Joe Martino Counseling Network. Uh, we signed uh, agreements this week to provide psychiatric services to our clients that means that at two of our locations to start, we will have a psychiatric practitioner who can help you manage meds, uh, can help you with checkups on if you're on meds and those types of things. Uh, we'll be able to provide more services to more people. We're very excited about this. It should be something that we can help uh, get out to the world around us. So I'm very uh, excited and thankful for that. I do want to start with a quick write-in. <laughs> Somebody wrote in today, I was, actually I was going to read a uh, Facebook message that somebody sent me about how much they appreciated the podcast, and I always appreciate those. Thank you so much for those of you who take the time to send me kind words. But this person actually sent me an email, and they have a complaint, and they want me to address it. So I'm going to go ahead and read it. Okay, here we go. Stephanie writes, Dear Joe, uh, thank you very much for doing the podcast. I really appreciate the episodes when I first started, I wasn't sure what I thought, but the more and more I listened, the more and more I have come to appreciate it. That's a lot of more and mores. Uh, all right, where did I lost my side? The more and more I've listened to the show, the more and more I appreciate it. Ah, thank you, Stephanie. I appreciate that. Okay, 
Uh, I do have something that I would like you to address. I have a friend who constantly calls herself a single mother, and it inflames me. She is not a single mom. She is a divorced mom. Her ex-husband pays his child support. He actually has full custody of the kids. Uh, whoa, that is a hard sentence. He actually has full legal custody of the kids, and they're at his house the majority of the time, seeing her every other weekend. While I understand that being... Um, single and a parent is difficult. I am actually a single mom. My husband died in the war. I am really bothered by divorced women who position themselves as single moms, acting like it's hard. Especially this friend, because I feel she's a drama queen. Am I wrong? Whoa. Okay, so first of all, my condolences on your husband uh, passing away in the war. I can't imagine what that would be like. Uh, I don't think you're wrong. Uh, just to be clear, I was actually, it's kind of funny. I was just talking to my wife about this today. Uh, I have a friend uh, that I ran into and I haven't talked to him in a long time, ran into him. And he told me that he, you know, he's a single dad now and he's not really a single dad. He's a divorced dad. Um, I'm not sure of the distinction completely, but I do understand your point. There is a distinction between I lost a spouse and um, I divorced my spouse. I have no idea if your friend's doing it for attention or not or drama. If she is, certainly that would not be healthy. Um, and it, I do, I do kind of look at it sometimes. I'm like, well, no way. You're still co-parenting, you know, like my friend, you know, oh, I'm a single dad. Well, you're not really because the kids are with their mom a lot and, or, you know, at least 50% of the time, actually in that case, about 80% of the time. And, and you are, co-parenting from separate homes, you're divorced, you're a divorced parent. We probably should have something in our vernacular to, uh, you know, to make that distinction. A, a single parent and a divorced parent. Uh, your husband passed away. You're a single parent. There's no co-parenting available to you. And that is a different situation than someone who is divorced or is divorced from their spouse. Uh, like in the instance of my friend, I'm pretty sure he cheated on his wife and she divorced him. So if you know, you hadn't cheated, you wouldn't be a single dad. So, you know, there is kind of a rub there, certainly. Um, I think, I personally can feel your uh, reticence to embrace her saying she's a single mom, and I can even understand why that would upset you. Uh, with that said, I don't know that we're going to do a whole lot about it. Our society tends to think of single parents uh, as somebody who's single, and we, we've not given a lot of thought, especially in the current world that we live in, where we've now been at war for 20 years almost, uh, the difference between someone who is divorced and someone who is a widow or a widower. And I think we need to have some conversations about that. So Stephanie, I appreciate you um, bringing that up. I do have to say privately with my wife, that is a rant of mine. I'm not a single parent. I'm a married parent. Uh, but I do... I do often get frustrated with people who fail to make the distinction between like, you know, well, I'm a single parent and I, I can only imagine how, it doesn't matter how you became a single parent. I can only imagine how hard it is. And there are people who are single parents who are divorced and they're not co-parenting. So maybe that's the distinction we need to make. Uh, the, the, the distinction of co-parenting versus single parenting, right? If you're co-parenting and both people are on board with, with helping the child grow and, and progressing and educating the child in, in the ways of life, then maybe that's what we need to make the distinction on. There, there is 
There is co-parenting, where two people parent together, be it in a married relationship or divorce relationship. And, and then there are people who the biological uh, parent, the, 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 the other biological parent is alive, and they're not part of the parenting process. In that case, even though they're alive, they're still single parents. And so there's got to be, we need to have more conversations about this. We need to have more awareness. That I, I definitely would say is something that we need to uh, uh, do. And so I appreciate you writing and letting me know. I appreciate you listening. I don't think you're wrong. Um, I think it's probably a pretty nuanced conversation that we need to engage so thank you very much for writing. I appreciate it. If you have a question and you want to me to answer it on the show, please write joe at joemartino.com. All right, let's talk about gratitude. Something that I wasn't prepared for when I became a counselor. And what I mean by prepared for, they educated me for it. They told me about it, but it just seemed like they were exaggerating. Was how many people you will meet who say, I just want to be happy. You know, one of the common questions, obviously, that we ask is, is summarized with, why are you here? What, what are you hoping to accomplish with counseling? And a lot of times I hear people say, I just want to be happier. I need to be happier. I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I'm not happy. And one of the most difficult things for people to believe and to accept is the simple solution that allows them to be happier that would actually change their lives. It seems like such a silly, it seems too easy. And I think that's part of the problem. And, and I think people get caught between two truths. It seems too easy and it's very hard. So something that seems too easy when you go to do it and it doesn't work at the very first time, that creates a situation where people are prone to quit. And here's the simple truth. This is what I hope you walk away from uh, this podcast episode with today. If you train your brain to be grateful, you will be happier. If you train your brain to be complaining, to be ungrateful, inappreciative, unappreciative, or unthankful, you will be less happy in life. Here is the hard truth to accept. Happiness is a byproduct of contentment. If you chase happiness you won't make it. You won't get it. You'll be unhappy and you will be miserable. Our brain finds what we focus on. Our brain finds what we chase. I've talked about this before. Uh, numerous studies have proven, have shown us that the optimist has the same amount of bad things that happen to them as the pessimist. The pessimist has the same amount of good things that happen to them as the optimist. The difference is what they see. The difference is what they focus on. It's not actually in what happens. It's what they willfully choose to look at. And here's what I want to make sure you understand today. What happens when they do studies on people's brains is brains look different. The people who are thankful, their brain looks different than the people who are unthankful. And you might think, well, that's why they're thankful or unthankful, because uh, they're predisposed that way. And that may actually be true, but here's what we know. If the unthankful person forces themselves to learn to become thankful, their brain changes. You can actually change the way your brain runs. You can change the way your brain works. You can change the way your brain pushes thoughts through your system. 
And so maybe maybe that's true. Maybe the reason someone tends to be more unthankful is because they're predisposed to it. I, I, I don't know. But I do know, even if that is true, if they're willing to put in the work to train themselves to become thankful, they will actually rewire their brain. I want to talk to you about, first of all, what I think is probably the most common solution to this that most people know and they learn pretty quickly, but we would be remiss if we didn't talk about it. And that is, first of all, forcing yourself to be grateful. So you can create a grateful log, right? You can think about things that happen in your day. If you, if you read Sean Acor, write out three things every day that you're grateful for in the last 24 hours. Things that happened in the last 24 hours that you're grateful for. And I'll have clients do this. I'm buy, buy a notebook, buy a journal, set something up on their phone. I don't care. I, I prefer they actually write it by hand, but they can set up on their phone. And every day, write out three things that happened in the last 24 hours that you're grateful for. Write out things that you're thankful for. Write out things that you purposely seek gratefulness for. And here's what happens. Over the course of time, your brain starts to look for gratefulness. Your great brain, yeah, you're great. Your great brain starts to look for things that you can be grateful for. And you start to change your default response to the world. You start to change the lens with which you see the world. Nothing in the world has meaning without a lens because that's how we give an interpretation. I'm wearing an orange and blue plaid shirt, but that only I only know it's orange and blue because we've agreed to interpret those colors that way. And, and I know there are some people that get nervous about that when I say that, but that's fine. You can change the lens that you use to view the world. Now, here's the thing. You're still going to have hard things happen. You're still going to have difficult things happen. You're going to have things happen that are painful, that suck. I actually had a client come in one time and they were like, well, okay, this thing here, I can't find anything grateful, anything in it to be grateful. You survived it. And they laughed. But that's the truth, right? Because, you know, look, the older I get, I don't know how old you are, but but unfortunately I'm getting old. I've got a birthday coming up in 18 days. And my kids told me today that I'm old. Actually, my son, my son's now my favorite child. I say that very much tongue in cheek, but he told me he would neither say that I am old nor am I young. I'm just in the middle. And I was like, you know, buddy, that is, I'll take that because my daughters were telling me how old I am. Uh, uh, But I will tell you this, every, every birthday, with every day that passes, I think more and more about all the people I've known in my life who didn't get to see today. I had a very good friend, Christmas Day. I think I mentioned this in a different episode. But Christmas Day, he's sitting there with his wife, and they're having a good day. He says, uh-oh, falls to the floor and dies. He didn't get to see today. So whatever happened today, be grateful. And I've had a rough, like, 72 hours. If I'm really honest with you, I told my wife the other day, I said, if I was my therapist, I meet the criteria for your acute stress reaction. I've been under acute stress. And it's okay because there's a lot of other great things going on. I don't want to ignore the stressful things. I don't want to ignore the hard things. And at the same time, I have to find, uh, constantly make myself find the things to be grateful for if I want to be emotionally healthy. So I do this two steps. I have my clients make their their gratefulness uh, journal, right? Three things every 24 hours that you're grateful for. And I even will sometimes be like, because I'll read them, and sometimes, you know, you get somebody who likes to... to, I never understand this, because they're paying money to come see me, but they like to kind of rig the system, so they'll write the same thing every day. And so I'll tell them, okay, three things, and you can't write the same thing every day. It has to be different. 
So it can't be, well, I'm thankful I have a job. I'm grateful I have a job. If you do that on Monday, you can't do it again until Thursday. And some people are like, well, then, you know, screw you. I'm not going to write anything. Other people are pretty competitive. And they're like, okay, I'll get it. And those are the ones typically, honestly, that do better. Because if you, almost, we live in the most wealthy country in the world. And sometimes I feel like people say that and they feel like we should feel bad about it. I don't think you should feel bad about the fact that you live here. But we do live in a world that has so much opportunity. I can literally have a conversation with anybody in the world, almost, certainly with anybody in my family. My father lives, well, if you're pulling a camper, it's about 14 hours. So I'm going to guess it's not too much less than that if you're just in a car. We'll say 12 hours away. I could talk to him and see him face to face right now. He could show me the end product of a project he's doing in his house right now because of technology. We live in a world that is so amazing with all the different ways that we can connect to people and we tend to complain about it instead of being grateful. So we're going to we're going to focus on that first. What are three things that you can be grateful for in the last 24 hours? And then if we really want to go to ninja level, I feel like I should have music when I do this, right? Like if we want to go to ninja level and then like have a little bit of music there. We're going to pick two things that we were ungrateful for in the last 24 hours. Two things that we were unhappy about. Two things that we didn't like. Two things that we were angry over. I'm not, you're not picking 12 there. You're just picking two things. I'm trying to give you all the different negative emotions that you could choose from. Two things that we were just ticked off about. And then we're going to take them and we're going to find as many things in that situation as is possible for us to be grateful for. And we're going to write them out. Complaining is such an insidious issue that by taking the time to reframe it intentionally, we're robbing it of its power and we're shaping our brain to be more grateful. And in being more grateful, we'll be more content. And in being more content, we will be more happy. I cannot tell you how many clients that is the biggest struggle for. We'll even practice in the room. I'll, I'll ask them, write out like five to ten of, of the big watershed moments in your life that went negative. You, you know, as many as you can, up to five or ten, whatever, depending on how much time we have. And then together, we'll write out things that they're grateful for. And, and you know, a lot of times, look, if you're in counseling, a lot of times the stuff that comes up is not little things. It is big, deep, weighty issues. I had somebody write one time that the biggest watershed moment in their life uh, that went negative was within three days of each other, a parent died and they were sexually assaulted. Okay, so we're going to split those. What can you be grateful for? Joe, there's nothing to be grateful for in a parent dying when you're a teenager especially and sexual assault. I agree on the surface. It certainly looks overwhelming. But how about you overcame it? You're not letting it define you. You moved on. You were loved well. Or if your parent wasn't one that loved you well, you weren't loved well, and yet you aren't going to pass that cycle on. There's always something you can find. And sometimes I have, you know... Uh, people sitting there and it's nothing that weighty. It's like, I have three kids and they're loud all the time and it drives me crazy. Okay, that's fine. I have four kids. They're loud, uh, no doubt. 
What can you be grateful for? Well, I mean, obviously I have three kids. Yeah, yeah. But get specific. Reach into it. What can you get, uh, be grateful for that they're allowed? Well, they have a zest for life. And let me tell you, there's a lot of kids that don't. And we will work this and work this and work this and work this until we start taking our brain and we start taking the part of our brain that naturally sees things to complain about and we will reshape them, reframe them to be things that we are excited about and grateful for. This is a powerful tool. It is a tool that will help you be more grateful and be more thankful and in the end, be more happy about your life. But it's not the only tool we use, right? Why would we only use one tool? Another tool that I love, that I, that I, I, I encourage people to do is get involved in conscious acts of kindness. Volunteer somewhere. Do something that is bigger than you. Go work at a food pantry. Uh, when I was in grad school, we were, I mean, we were on the verge of financial ruin just about every other day. Uh, I would go pray at this local church. And if you're not a prayer, that's fine. I'm not trying to convince you the power of prayer. But I would go pray at this local church, uh, this local Catholic church downtown. I'm not Catholic, but I would sit there and pray. And this one priest kept walking back and forth. And one day he said to me, he said, you know, can I, can I talk to you? I was like, yeah, sure. Sit down. I told him I'm not, I'm not Catholic. In fact, at the time I was in a Protestant seminary graduate school. Um, and so I was like, you know, but yeah, I don't mind talking at all. We talked and I told him how, when I was in undergraduate, there were times that I would go stock a food kitchen, um, in the, the city where I lived occasionally, you know, just to kind of clear my headspace. And he was like, oh, well, we actually have one of those and we could use some help stocking it. So he and I would stock and we'd talk theology. And I was, I was, and I was volunteering time to help other people. I was doing something bigger than me because there was people that needed food. And I was constantly reminded of, wow, my family needed food. We always had it. I had a guy call me up one day at work and he was just like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, you called me at work. What do you think I'm doing? He's like, meet me at Costco in 10 minutes. Uh, because I'm going to buy your family groceries. And he did. And I mean, a lot of groceries. I could have gotten in a car wreck that night and the car, I would have been safe because I was packed in there with food. So, so if you want to be more thankful, do acts of service for other people. Go work at a food pantry. Go join Habitat for Humanity. Go, just literally go do anything that is you volunteering. That is you doing something, contributing to something bigger than you. We're not going to, we're not, I I don't think we're going to stem the whole tide of all the evil, terrible things that happen in the world. I wish we could. I I learned this week of somebody who was doing things that are, uh, I'll say problematic, legal, but, but just awful. And I'm not, I'm almost to the place where it doesn't even move my heart rate. Because I'm just so used to people hurting other people. And yet, I fight against that. And I encourage you to fight against it. Because we can do something to help other people. And in helping other people, we're going to help our own brain to be more grateful. And in being more grateful, we will be more content. And in being more content, we will be happier. Those two tools. Now, there's more. I could go on for a long time. Put two or three tools around you, uh, five at a time. But, but most of the time, that you know, when you read how best to present information, 
Uh, there's actually, I just actually read an article that said if you present more than one takeaway, you're probably in trouble. I was like, whoa, that's, that's, wow. That's, that's how short our attention spans are becoming. Uh, somebody, who was it was making fun of? I think Netflix and, and Amazon Prime now, you can skip the recap and you can skip the uh, intro. You can just go straight to the show because those 45 seconds are going to kill you. Uh, but, but two things, create a gratitude journal. In that gratitude journal, write down three things that you're thankful for every 24 hours. And then pick one or two things that you did not like. You were angry about them. You didn't like them. You were unthankful for them. You thought it was wrong. It was hurtful. It was painful. Whatever it was, write them out. Write them down. One or two of them. And then make a list of as many things as you can that you're grateful for. As many possible things that you're grateful for. In fact, my goal for you is that every time you have a complaint in your head without conscious thought, there is a yeah, but, and a, and a grateful thought comes into play. Because if we can do that, we will, we will change the way our brains work. We will be better people. Dare I say that in 2020? We will be better people. We will impact the world. And then purposely spend time volunteering, doing things for other people. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if it's formal or informal. Be safe, right? I had a client one time who was like, oh, I'm going to go do this. I'm like, no, 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 you're not because that's not safe. But do things for other people. Do conscious acts of service for other people. And see what it does to your brain. All right. Thanks so much for listening. If you find value in this, please share it with your friends via social media. Uh, I, I hope that it um, that it is something that you find value in. I, I am. There's so much that I want to do. I'm constantly afraid that. Well, not afraid. Afraid's the wrong word. But I'm constantly thinking there's so much that I want to do and not enough time. Uh, but we're working on that. I hope you're having a great week. I hope you're having a great day. Know that I appreciate you. Know that I appreciate you so much. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.